What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Lot. Hey, what's up, y'all? So, on today's episode, I want to talk about something in particular. Uh, As we know, Conor McGregor is one of the biggest stars ever in combat sports. Not just MMA, not just the UFC, but combat sports. Um, He really kind of took the sport... Uh, you know, by storm. And of course, as we know, especially recently, he hasn't had the best record. He's coming off of a leg break loss against Dustin Portier, uh, two losses in a row to Dustin Portier. And now as he's coming back, because he's such a big name, a big icon, everything like that, the talks are around who should he fight next? What's up next for him? Does he get a title shot? Even coming off of two losses, What's going on? And because of who he is, you can have that conversation. Whereas if you're not a big draw, it's not even a question. You're at the you're at the bottom of the barrel. So, of course, I reached out to Locke about, you know, talking about this particular uh, thing. And I want to start it off with a question to you, Locke. Um, the first question would be, Do you see kind of the talks are both at 155 and 170 as far as possibilities? Do you see him actually getting into form to be able to compete at 170? Not the fight he had with Nate Diaz. We know that was, that really wasn't in, that wasn't informing. It wasn't a person that was really fighting at 170 at that point in time. You know, same thing um, with the Cowboy fight was at 170, but it's not. It's like yeah. a, a mutual agreement to not cut the weight. Correct, correct. But now going up against the true 170 guys that cut more weight in a lot of cases and are a bigger frame than the 155 guys, where do you think he should come back to? Well, I personally think he needs to come back at 155. I don't think he has any reason even thinking about 170. Unless it's like what you said these other guys that also like to play in that weight class for the sake of cutting weight. So yeah, your Cowboys, your Nates, even a Dustin Poirier is is someone that's playing with doing that. I can see that. I don't have a problem with that, but I think a true 170 pounder, I don't think he's big enough. And I know that sounds ridiculous because everybody posts the picture and I know that he's giant now. And I know he's a very strong guy. But I just legitimately don't think he has the body type for it. He, even when he's mm-hmm. uh, getting buff, I think when he gets jacked, he starts to take a similar build to more of a, a, a bodybuilder. Like, he's got great genetics, you know, so he could be a great bodybuilder. Um, but I just think he's not just a little short, because Tyron Woodley was a little short. I think they're both around 5'9". Mm-hmm. Yeah, 5'8"-5'9", yep. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the overall body type. 
Um, so I don't think he has any business at 170. Now, I'm not saying he can't go into 170 and win some fights because what typically happens when you take a elite level guy that does that, you start off with the lower caliber guys in that weight classes and then you win a couple fights until you get to the top level guys. So yeah, he could go in there and he could really hang, you know, with who knows, like maybe a Neil Magny or, you know, there is some guys that he could hang out there, but the one thing he does not want to do, and I don't know what is next for Conor McGregor, but the one thing that he shouldn't do, and I don't think anybody should want to see, is Conor McGregor versus Usman. And I think that is a train wreck. Um, I know that he could possibly get the fight, obviously, because he's Conor and he gets to make the calls. And Usman would take that fight, and I don't blame him because it's a giant payday. You get your red panty night, and it's a super winnable fight. So he would do that. But I don't think anybody should want that fight because if you're a Connor fan, I don't even think there's a legit path to victory. I just don't. I mean, I know he could mm-hmm. land the big left. I just think Usman's way too big. And then if you're not a Connor fan, you don't want to see it because unless you're just like a sadist and you want to see him get fucking wrecked then maybe but i don't even see it being a good fight so i think whatever he decides to do coming back the one thing he should not look at is trying to fight Usman at 170 you know what's funny so i think similar to you but i must admit chel sonnen helped sell me on the idea he was one of the people that, that, you know, talked about it and talked about how brilliant it was, the call out of, um, you know, Conor McGregor calling out Usman and the possibility of going up there and fight and how going to that division is one of those things where you definitely can put the big argument out there by him being such a big star and a former champion at a lower weight class where he could cut in and get a title fight versus trying to get one against Oliveira, right? Um, but to your point, I just think that Usman is too big. He's definitely a natural 170-pound guy. I think that Usman could even compete at 185. I think he has the frame for it. He wouldn't be, of course, nowhere near the tallest guy at 185, as you have quite a few of those guys well into the six-foot range. But I think he's right around six feet, 5'11", and he's not – I don't think there's a big difference in size between him and – shoot, Um, the the Kiwi, the – what's his name? Shoot, who um, Adesanya just fought. No, the other. Oh, he might Robert not Whitaker? be. Yeah, he might be. Is he? Yeah, he's Kiwi, I think. But yeah, Whitaker. He's. I don't think he's that different in size with Robert Whitaker. And if you remember Rob, Robert Whitaker, uh, you know he moved to 185, and I think that was a really good move for him. He did well. Unfortunately, Adesanya came into 185 because I think it would be a good chance of Whitaker still being champ had Adesanya, who's a specimen, not coming to 185. So I think Usman has the frame, the size, and what he does with his skill level to be able to compete at a higher weight class. So Connor going up 
and especially seeing what happened with Connor and Khabib. And I think, um, I don't think that uh, Usman would go out there and really try and trade a bunch with Connor. I don't think it would be necessary. I think he would stand up just enough to take him down and then, you know, beat him ground and pound into a very easy victory. Uh, but it is one of those things where I think Connor is one of those people that has created the name for himself where you really want to say, but what if, right? But what if he could go up there and win that? Uh, um, Kamzat has been talking about possibly being the first three division champion, right? Now, he hasn't won a belt yet, but he has a promising career based on all accounts and reports. But imagine if Connor was able to go up there and he's taking a big risk, but he's fighting for legacy. We know he's not fighting for money, right? And he's able to clip Usman and win a title. We know that Usman can get hurt. He's been hurt in more than one fight by a punch, right? But he recovers well and he usually is able to, well, He's always able to get the victory, right? But imagine if he could clip him and then become the first three-division champion. And that what-if is what makes me want to see that fight. Well, I think there's a couple things with that. One, I feel like Usman's every bit of six foot. I mean, he's a big boy in that division. And while you're talking, Mm -hmm. I looked it up because I know Robert Whitaker was a welterweight, and he is also six foot. And I'm a big Robert Whitaker fan, and not to get too into the weeds with this, as much as I like Robert Whitaker, and I think he would still be the champ if it wasn't for Adesanya, I think Usman has much more of a skill set to beat Stylebender than Whitaker does. So I think he has a little yeah, bit and, and I'm just saying that to say how big I think Usman is and how high a level he can compete. And... One of the things you have to consider when we talk about that fight, and this is the thing you always got to consider when you talk about Connor, is for one, he is a game fighter, you know, and, you know, there's the term puncher's chance. And to break that down further, a lot of people, you know, that are, you know, boxing fans or combat sport fans, it's a common opinion, fairly common, that the southpaw straight left is the deadliest punch in combat sports. Well, Conor McGregor possibly has the best Southpaw straight left in the game. So mm-hmm. say Especially what you from want. a karate stance, which is important because it comes straight at you. You don't really see it coming. Right. And with a lot of pop and, and precision, you know, that's what we forget a lot about, you know, Conor is it's not that he's the strongest. It's that he, or the fastest, it's that, you know, he's quick and he's precise and, you, you know, he does the little things right. So there is that, yes. And and that's my luck, honestly. Like, this is the fight that I say there's no shot and we shouldn't see it because it's an ugly fight. And that will be the time when Connor, who has looked unimpressive in a long time, will uncork that left, you know, land right on Usman's chin. And, you know, he'll go on a 15-fight tear after that, but that'll be the one that, you know, drops him just to make me look like an idiot because any of our listeners, I, I might have said this before, but I'll reiterate because it's important. 
do not ever pick any fight based off anything I say because I am always wrong. <laughs> Myself included. That yeah, we are not responsible, especially if you gamble. We are not responsible for any picks that you do and you don't win. Now, if you win based on the pick, I'm taking all the credit. But I think if he was going to fight anybody at 170, the only fight that I'm really interested in watching him at at 170, unless it's Nate or Dustin, would be uh, Jorge Masvidal. Out of the crop yeah. of ranked welterweights, that's the only fight that I'd be interested in seeing. I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually my next question. Um, you know, yeah, one that's of the my, ar- my Specs Howard uh, segue, man. <laughs> one of the arguments initially, of course, was Masvidal just said, you know, he's way too small. Um, but we also heard that said in no, other contexts. It's that he is too much man. <laughs> that too. <laughs> he, he, he says it specifically like that. Like he seems to choose that verbiage every time because it's just so condescending. But yes, yeah. he really likes to say that he's too much man to fight yeah. Connor. But what I think that's interesting about that fight at 170 is because I think that, especially because of the things that Masvidal has said, I think you would. It's one of the few fights at 170 that I think would be a complete stand-up fight for him with a true 170-pound fighter. And I think that creates something very interesting. And I think it would sell really good. Both of them are coming off of multiple losses. I think the fight makes so much sense, right? Um, But the question becomes now, do you really want Connor to lose to, if he takes a loss, to Masvidal, who's on, I forget, either a two or three fight losing streak? Three now. And, yeah, do you really want Connor to now go on a three fight losing streak with losing to Masvidal, who's the non-champ? And do you take that as, well, it's going to be a big draw and we put that out there? Or do you go ahead and let Connor go for the big goal, uh, you know, and when I say goal, not, you know, just goal, but G-O-L-D, the big goal, you know, the belt. Um, do you take the chance, even though it's likely a, a slighter chance of winning, do you take that opportunity and say, you know what, I'd rather him, if I'm the UFC, go ahead and fight for this belt and have a chance to make history. And I know that will sell everywhere because we're going to, sell this as Connor being the first champ to get three belts in three different weight classes. No, I definitely agree. That's an easier fight to sell. I'm not going to dispute that at all. I'm just saying from uh let's looking at these people, what's the most competitive fight? What's a realistic matchup to make? I think Jorge Masvidal would be the only one. Yeah. Him versus Usman is a easier sell. Um, that you could still sell the, the Jorge Masvidal fight. But like you said, it's the juice isn't necessarily worth the squeeze. You get that one big fight, but one way or the other, you potentially have washed one of your guys. You either lose Connor, who's now on a three fight losing streak, or if he comes out and smokes Masvidal, now who do you put Masvidal against? He's now losing yeah. to lightweights again, you know, so you're losing a top guy either way. So I agree with what you're saying there. If if you have to go with one of those guys, 
the reason I said Jorge Masvidal was just looking at it out of people that I thought potentially he has a good shot of beating and a realistic matchup you can make. The thing is, when you're talking about Connor, you can't do realistic matchups. You know, it's the right. It's the Connor rules, which is a little different than what everybody else plays by. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And for what I was saying, it wasn't necessarily just about selling the fight because I definitely think you can sell either one and they would be huge. Um, it was more of if you're the UFC and you're looking at it, do I take that chance of matching him up with Masvidal, right? Do I really take that chance? Because as you mentioned, you you really have the potential of ruining one of the stars. And if Masvidal loses that fight, not only does he lose to a lightweight, he's now on a four-fight losing streak, mm-hmm. and he just signed another, uh, you know, a new big contract. And to your point, it becomes, what do we do with him? Or is it the sacrifice that you have of sacrificing Connor and hoping, crossing your fingers, that he's still just the, you know, golden boy, so to speak, and it won't hurt his stock that much? Well, and I think the problem with that, though, too, is if Jorge Masvidal wins, that doesn't do a lot for him. Like, yeah, it gets him back in the win column, right. but that doesn't move him up in the, you know, the title conversation. You don't say, oh, okay, he's back. You know, it's it's not a it's not a big win. I think, you know, Jorge needs a tune-up fight at 170 if he's wanting to stay at 170. And, yeah. Um, but I think Connor, if I was his management team or his handlers or even the UFC... I think the best option, I don't think it's um, Usman at 170. Like I said, I think he gets smashed, and I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, Jorge Masvidal is the one fight I see at 170, and like you said, that doesn't seem like a good uh, strategic matchup to make. Mm-hmm. I think what I would ask for is you need either the Nate Diaz trilogy or a winnable fight against a 155 pounder to get him back on track and then back in the title pitcher. And I really wanted to see Michael Chandler. So I think if it was me and I could just pick any fight right now, I would want um, Connor to come back against Michael Chandler. I think that, I think it'd be a very fun fight. I mm-hmm. think it sells itself. I mean, they're literally going to both come out carrying their flags and hang them behind them. You know, who doesn't, we love flags in the fight game. Everybody rallies behind that kind of shit. <laughs> right. And no. I think that would be a great fight, except Chandler is already scheduled to fight Ferg coming up. But I think probably the best option would give be to give Connor the winner out of Chandler Ferg. Cause those are both interesting fights. Um, Chandler is yeah. the fight I really want to see, but him and Ferg been talking shit back and forth. You know, he always calls him McNugget or whatever. I would yeah, like to with see Ferg, too. too, you always have the situation where will he make it to the fight? He's had some pretty bad luck and having fought, you know, often enough, I think, for what people want to see him. Although it's getting better, but, you know, he had a bit of time there where, you know, there was some issues. And I definitely like that. Um, I can see the Michael Chandler fight. I can see the Ferg fight. Let me ask you this question, and I want to go down. You mentioned Nate. 
So I do want to go down that Nate path. But before we go down that, what do you think about the possibility of him fighting Oliveira for the 155 title? Now, the reason why I'm asking that question, that was one of the things that was brought up, him possibly fighting for a title at 155. We know he's coming off of two losses. He's coming off of two losses in that division and to a person that would be way more deserving of a title shot. Does he jump everybody because of star power and fight Oliveira, which I think the Oliveira fight still would be a fun fight. But does that star power, like not even the UFC, how do you think it would be perceived if he's able to really hop the line, you know, perceived by the people and get a shot at Oliveira coming off of a layoff, an injury, and two losses. Well, when you say how does it look to the overall, you know, fight fans or the general public, I think it really only matters to the diehards because the Connor fans obviously mm-hmm. love it. They're always on board no matter what. And I think most of your casual fans and even your combat sport fans, like your boxing first guys and stuff like that, I think they tend to lean towards Connor ahead of some of these other guys too. So I think the only people that would really hate it if he gets that shot would be the the diehard MMA fans, you know, who that he gets to jump the line. But the casuals would love it. The Connor fans would love it. And I think most of your just your straight boxing guys or the guys that are into combat sports but not MMA would be down because they'd rather just see the guy that they know. These guys, they don't know yeah. Islam. They don't know Justin Gaethje. They don't care. Right. No, good point. I think those those are uh, really good points. And um, um, I did want to touch on one thing, though, before I moved on. Uh, when you said you looked up Usman, um, I do want to say, I'm not sure, you know, with, with height and stuff like that, you, you, can't, you can never believe the numbers. It's always within a couple inches up or down. But I will say this, Gaethje is listed at 5'11", I believe, which I can look it up, but he's definitely shorter than Gaethje. Um, You know, there are several pictures of them out there standing next to each other, and he doesn't appear to be the taller man. Um, But saying that to say, your point on the Robert Whitaker. I still think they are very similar body types, and I do think that he would give – he has a better chance of beating Style Bender because of his style than Robert Whitaker would. I, I, I meant to mention that before we went down this rabbit hole, and then it popped back into my head. I was like, hey, let me mention that. But, yes. Well, you don't give me enough yes, you're right. So I appreciate going <laughs> back to cover it because you usually talk shit or skip right past it. So I think moving forward that that's something we should make sure we do a little yeah, bit let's, more. Let's, I'm going to go ahead I'm and I'm a sensitive dude out. and I need my attaboys. I'm, I'm just going to edit that out so nobody will hear any of that. Be the first thing you ever edit. When I'm over here stuttering all high, forgetting the questions, that stuff stays in. That got to stay in. Yeah, that got to stay in. So what I would like to go down the path of, you mentioned Nate Diaz as an option. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Nate Diaz trilogy. And also, um, Nate Diaz recently mentioned or requested, you know, being released by the UFC because he's been asking for a fight for a while. And for some reason, nothing has transpired. So one, 
you know, what do you think about it? I know you said that fight makes sense, but what do you think about the possibility of that fight happening? How would you see it turn out? And then two, that fight doesn't happen and Nate Diaz, you know, moves on. Uh, he's talking about Bellator. What do you think of the kind of his chances over in Bellator, if that's even the right move? Okay. Um, I definitely want to see the Nate versus Connor trilogy wrap up. Uh, I think that's a fight every fat fight fan should watch. And I think it's one of these fights mm-hmm. that you take out. It's like Michigan, Michigan state or Michigan, Ohio state. Like you take the record out. That doesn't matter on this one. This game, this win is the most important one. And I think right. that that's how that fight is. You know, the rankings throw those out the windows, you know, no title implications. And that's a good fight. Um, ironically, I used to think when the fight originally happened in 2016, I think both the first two were, I thought Nate had the better chance at 170 and Connor had the better chance at 155. I actually think that it's the opposite now. I think now that, um, depending on where they do it, I think Nate's got a better shot of winning the fight if they fight it at lightweight than if they do at welterweight. If they fight it at welterweight, I would probably lean towards Connor. Mm. That's interesting. You know, one thing we know that Connor still hasn't fixed, he hasn't fixed his cardio issue, it would appear. And um, I remember watching something, and it was a guy talking about it and talking about training athletes. And he said when you, you know, Connor came up and he was talking about other athletes like that. And he said, when you have an athlete of that caliber and they have a cardio issue, it's usually not actually a cardio issue. It's a mental issue and them understanding, actually understanding cardio and what it is. So they'll be very well trained. So it's not that they don't have the win. It's that they don't understand how to use it correctly. And then mentally, they panic, which fatigues them more. Um, I think that Connor feels as though, especially based on, you know, at 170, that second fight, I think he feels as though he would be able to manage it a bit better. Um, you could definitely see some of the fatigue setting in even early at, um, you know, the last fight he had with Portier. So I definitely think that's a factor at 55. I think he'd be more comfortable at 170. Um, but, you know, either way, both guys, I think, has a very good chance. And to your point, part of that is because I don't think the records matter. I think their styles clash very well i think their mentalities clash very well and i definitely feel like that should definitely be the last fight on nate diaz's you know his last fight in the ufc the last fight on his contract i don't think they should release him i think they should have that fight and i also think that's one of the few fights that no matter what happens it really doesn't hurt connor's stock Right. Because it's it it's still that to your point, that fun fight that everybody wanna see, that stylistic matchup. I think you can have that fight 
and any of the other people we mentioned as possibilities for Connor, you can still have that even if Connor lost to Nate Diaz and it was a spectacular fight. So what are your thoughts on that? No, I think it's originally they didn't want to do the fight because they didn't want Nate to beat Connor and then walk away. And now he's a bigger star and he's a free agent and he's just going to go take right. that celebrity out. Um, the cardio issue is actually one of the reasons why I now like Connor more at 170 just in that fight. Um, because I think, you know, he was undersized when they fought in 2016, but it's been a rough five to six years. You know, Connor's hit that age where he's now kind of grown into his, you know, adult man body. And he's a big mm -hmm. boy, even though he's a little short, uh, he's a thick dude. And, you know, we're talking about six years ago and I don't think him cutting down to 155 is going to help that cardio issue at all. I think at least at 170, the power will be easier to come by and he won't have to dig as deep to use it because I right. think that's, that's where I, I think that's where he burns himself a lot. It's not the work rate. It's, it's like when you play a video games and you're holding down the power button and just doing haymakers the whole time and you just watch your stamina bar fall. I mm -hmm. think that's what it is, is when you explode with every punch and every move, you, you can't sprint a marathon. You just can't. It doesn't matter who you are. Usain Bolt can't do it. You just can't. And I think at 170, especially against Nate Diaz, who's not a power puncher, I think he can find that power easier without having to dig into that well. And I think that helps the cardio a little bit more. And and this is completely pie in the sky. I know this can never happen. But I think it'd be really interesting to watch Connor versus Nate in a boxing match. I definitely would sign up to watch that. <laughs> and the reason I say that is people think like, oh, well, Connor wins because the first time he was winning the exchanges and Nate had to choke him out to win, which is true. But in the fight that, um, well, for one, the hands and the one twos and the piecing them up set up the exchange, the grappling exchange when Connor shot in was based off of getting pieced up. But even in the fight that Connor won, it was his main attack was based around leg kicks. So I think that mm -hmm. takes both of those weapons off the table and really evens it out again for both of them. And uh, I think it'd be kind of sweet to see the two of them in a boxing match. Yeah, no, we recently, um, we recently had an episode um, that we talked about kind of, you know, some of the old things that, you would love to come back and everything like that. But one thing that we really didn't touch on was some of the things that you see in other promotions that you would love to come over to the UFC. And that's definitely one of them for me. One thing that I love about one is that they have so many different categories. Matter of fact, there's a fight coming up with Imanari and... I forget who he's fighting, but it's a it's a grappling match. As we know, um as we know one has where you'll you'll have they have a um a MMA, let's say we're talking about 155, right? They have a MMA champ, they have a tournament champ, they have a Muay Thai champ, they have a kickboxing champ. You have these other things where 
if you're that big name, that whatever, there's a placement for you. And I think that especially with the number of events that the UFC puts on, I think there's a place for the UFC to bring some of those things in. We know at one point in time, uh, Dana definitely wanted to be in the boxing business, so to speak, right? And I'm not talking about way back when he was first trying to get into it. I'm talking about more recently, especially around the time of the Conor and Floyd fight. Um, so when you look at stuff like that, it would be very interesting, let's say, if they did one of those where they put on the boxing match with MMA gloves. And you have a champion for that, right? I don't know if you have a specific name for that that you want to call it. We can call it boxing, you know, whatever, right? But I think that's the thing. Now, of course, we know that, um, what is that, combat... Um, Forget the name of that that sport where they you know they have the boxers against the MMA fighters. Oh, but, and it was in the triangle ring. Yep. Um, matter of fact, was it combat triad or something like that? Triad combat or something like that? I think so. But um, if you keep talking, I'll look it up in the meantime. Okay, but I'm one of Google the things last that they place did... Frank Weir got his ass whooped. <laughs> one of the things that they did, of course, was they made it boxing, but with MMA gloves. I the UFC could definitely start mixing in some of that stuff. And I think it would bring more eyes and makes things fresher for UFC fighters. And some of those boxers that they may have wanted to court and have them in the UFC promotion to fight an MMA guy. Now you have, you know, something that you can do that in uh, without really tainting your guy because it's kind of like how you mentioned DJ going to fight Muay Thai, which, you know, my heart almost stopped in that first round, I just want to say, but he was able to pull it off in that hybrid fight. But one of the things that you mentioned was you didn't feel like a loss there would drop his stock as much because it's not what he does, right? So we know there's been talks of Ngannou wanting to go box. Well, what if you had a guy that was a boxer that wanted to come over to UFC and he became that division's boxer. And now Agano says, well, I want to try my hands at it. He can go and do that and still retain his belt as the heavyweight MMA champion. Right. And you can, you as the UFC can put on that kind of bout. So to your point, I think a Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor could be a good catalyst for pushing something like that forward and deriving something brand new inside the UFC. And Dana, that one's on the house. You know what? You take that one. You just get me, you get me back on the next one, man. That's <laughs> like the short notice fight, you know, and then they give you a good matchup next time out. Exactly. So I want oh, that you was to called touch tri it. It was called triad camp combat, by the way. You were right. Okay. So I want you to touch a little bit on that if you can, just your thought of my breakdown. But then also, I want to go ahead and dive into what do you think about Nate in Bellator, Nate going over to Bellator, or do you think he should go somewhere else? Um, For one, the Demetrius Johnson win was dope. That was uh, That's one of the things that I usually won't speak highly of going into it, but when it's over... It was exciting to have watched. 
And I know Dana White had talked about being into the boxing. I think he was originally a boxing guy. Um, Right, yep. And he definitely wants to be in the boxing game. And there's a lot more money in it. And I think that... uh, I think that would be a great idea to have it as a division. I think there's a lot of guys on this card that have a skill set if you do some kind of a hybrid thing like that. Like you said, with maybe boxing gloves or, you know, maybe you still let a little bit of the clinch work go. You know, kind of a mixed rules type thing. Still no Mm -hmm. kicking, no grappling or whatever, but a little bit of clinch work in boxing. I think that could be really, really interesting. And it could really give life to some of these guys that you know, are struggling to to get something going. You know, we're talking about Connor and Nate Diaz. That'd be huge for a Jorge Masvidal. Would really Yeah, it would be able to do something, you know, in that in that division. So I, I definitely would like to see something like that. <clears throat> um and then Nate going to Bellator. I'm excited for Nate to leave. I think there's some things out there. Um, I would like to see him win a fight before he leaves. And, and the reason I want to see him leave the UFC is I don't think he has a ton of fights left in him. So for yeah. one, make your money. It's almost going to be like one of those things like these athletes that sign those huge contracts, but they're actually on the dying side of their career. And it's almost for like time served. Mm-hmm. You know, he almost deserves a contract for the fights that he's not going to fight anymore for the fights that he did for, you know, six and six and stuff like that. Um, but I don't want to see him go to Bellator. So I I would like to see him. I'm going to say this. So grab your seat. Uh, I would like to see him box Jake Paul. (laughs) I think I would be down for something like that. Okay. Um, or box any, you know, anybody out there, you see Anderson Silva has been able to find a pretty nice little second career out there in boxing. And, the Diaz brothers have good boxing. We talk about it all the time, but it's not a very conventional form of boxing. Right. And, and I think it could give some boxers problems. You know, he's, he's rangy at that weight class. He's a Southpaw. He uses all of his length and he's got an odd style. I think he could really, you know, get something. So, you know, cause some problems for some guys. So I think an Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva esque boxing pursuit could be okay. Um, if he was going to go to Bellator, you know, the Benson Henderson fight, I think could be kind of interesting, you know, him versus miles jury, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would like, I would watch Nate versus miles Jersey, but is that tune in TV? Like, is that great for Bellator or Nate Diaz or anybody involved? Like, mm-hmm. I'm just not excited about that, but what I think he could do. If you look at the bare knuckle boxing, right? It okay. Cut this man a check, please. I know you are. I know he probably has a side deal behind my back with bare knuckle boxing, but I'm gonna let him finish. I just wanted to throw that out there. I knew it the second I, I thought of this, I, and I actually did some research for this. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like shit, I got to bring this up. And the second I say it, he's going to be like, oh, here's that bit again. Here he is bringing up the bare knuckle boxing. Listen, I know how it is. You know, when you get one of those contracts, you have to say it so many times per episode. I get it. I know how it works. Um, So here's a couple of reasons I think it'd be, it could be good big. You know, 
in America, we love the pugilism. You know, it's just, I don't know. There, there's something about it aesthetically. People prefer the punch into the grappling. Uh, bare knuckle boxing has making a good niche for himself and they're making some good money and they're pay, paying some pretty decent uh, prices. You know, they're paying to bring in entertaining guys. And Nate Diaz isn't afraid of a bloodbath. And you've said before your biggest concern with bare knuckle boxing it's probably less damaging to the brain, but it's more damaging to the tissue. So you can't fight as often right. because you're getting split open and you're bloody. And and the Diaz brothers do that anyways. Like, they fight yeah. till they're bloody once every two years. So I feel like it's a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect lineup for it. But here's the reason that I think bare knuckle fighting would be a great option for them to go to, at least for a couple options. In the lightweight, they have two divisions. For one, they have 155, 165, 175. Nate Diaz could kind of play in any of those um, weight classes. In Fighting in 155 and 165, you got Leonard Garcia, who we you'd mentioned recently and brought up on the show. Nate Diaz versus Leonard Garcia in a bare-knuckle boxing match would be a sight to see. That fight could put bare knuckle on the map for exactly what you said is the Diaz brothers. Leonard Garcia is that same type of, you know, go for it, blood and guts type of fighter. And I don't think either guy would simply be able to knock each other out with a punch, which means you're in for a good brawl that, you know, like how Dana White, always talks about, you know, uh, Bonner versus uh, Griffin and how the fight was so crazy. The numbers just kept growing and growing like crazy because people were calling people to tell them to tune in. Mm -hmm. That would be one of those fights to me in bare knuckle. I agree. And I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, it could be, that could be the fight that puts them on the map as an organization and really changes the game. And and if if it was something he decided to pursue at that division, they also got um uh what's his name? The uh the crazy the crazy white dude from Michigan. No, you know I'm not gonna remember anybody's name. Uh Mike Perry. <laughs> Mike Perry is over. Mike there. Perry's from Michigan? Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Mike Perry's from, I don't know if he's like grew up here. That. I know he's born here, so he might have moved. I, never I, I don't know. That. I know he's I think Lansing area or something though. Okay. Not, not Detroit. Um but you also got you got Jason Knight, who they call Hick Diaz. You know, so I think that's another one. Julian Lane, the let me bang bro guy is there. And depending how it goes, Joe Riggs is one of the top guys at one seventy five. And you know, there's already the legend legendary story of Joe Riggs and uh Nick Diaz in the hospital fight. And I just yeah, think those are all that's interesting. Hilarious. I think all those fights, honestly, are more interesting than watching Nate Diaz and Bellator fighting Miles Jury, Benson uh, Benson Henderson. Uh, I don't know. Paul Daly, maybe I could watch. I mean, Patricky Pitbull. I, I'm just not really interested in any of those fights, to be honest. 
you know, I mean, I watch them because I'm a, a Diaz fan, but I just think all those bare knuckle matches are better matches and more interesting. No, um, I could definitely understand that. I can see that. The reason why I would still like, I think Bellator is a good spot for him. Um, I think his well-roundedness is his best weapon. Um, I really think that is the, the, um, the best weapon that he has. The fact that he has the boxing, usually get guys to take him down or whatever. And then he's able to, you know, choke him out, submit him, whatever. Um, so I think he likes being an MMA fighter. And although I don't think he would do the numbers in Bellator, going back to what you mentioned about money, I think he would make a lot more money. And the reason is because I think him, as far as promotions, as we know, once the UFC changed that formula, a lot of the sponsorships and everything was gone. And I think Nate Diaz is one of those people because of who he is. And then, you know, he does different things on social media and everything like that. I think he would be able to garner a lot of revenue through sponsorships, um, just being who he is. And I don't think, I think he'd have a lot less pressure on him over in the Bellator where he would be able to get fights that would be good matchups, fun fights, things of that sort. Uh, him and Bendo part two. I would want to see that. I would watch that fight. Would it be a big numbers draw? No. Uh, him and um, Patricky, um, I think that would be a really good fight. And actually, I think he has a big chance of beating Patricky. The problem is, if I'm Bellator, I don't make that fight because would you ever want a Diaz brother as your champ? No, because he may just decide tomorrow he's not fighting anymore. Even after the fight schedule, you know, I just decided I'm not doing that anymore, right? Um, but I don't think going to Bellator raises his stock any. And if you get a series of losses in Bellator, I think it's more detrimental than if he went to boxing or bare knuckle or something like that, where it's almost like you're starting over with a fresh, clean slate, right? And for a lot of these... Um, if you can put on a show, there still should be a good chance of, um, you know, you making some good money. So I definitely like the him versus Jake Paul. I think that could be interesting, but you know, normally I always go the grappling route, but with the exception of the amount of scar tissue that the Diaz brothers have, and this will be the second time this episode. I actually think you bring up a really good point with the bare knuckle. It might be the best option for him, especially when you mention he it's not like he wants to fight that often anyway. And especially if they allow him with the promotions, the sponsorship and everything like that, he probably would make a nice amount of money and be able to fight once a year. And that may be exactly you know, up his alley. Yeah, I I did completely forget. And that's how long it's been since that Reebok deal was dropped. When I was talking about, you know, going to Bellator, not sure if it makes sense. When I was looking at the money, 
I completely forgot about the good old days of finding your old sponsors. And yes, yeah. Nate Diaz, dude, Condom Depot is back on board. You know, all, I know the, all the CBD stuff. Imagine how many of the CBD companies that would sponsor him over in Bellador. Bellador. I mean, the top guys would be lining up to get on onto his shit. And because you're getting a legit sponsor, you ain't just getting a patch on the shorts. He will fu- he right. will fire that bad dad up while he's rolling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At a press conference. On the scale. Yeah. <laughs> he don't care. Like Nate Diaz will smoke whatever you want, wherever you want him to. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, um, I think he has a lot more options outside of the UFC and I don't think he has to perform as much because especially getting some of the good sponsors, right? There's so many other things that you can do to generate that income year round, even if you don't have a fight. Whereas with the UFC, even if they give you a big contract, it's based around a fight. You have to fight to make money. When you have Mm -hmm. outside sponsors, you do not have to fight to make money. What they want is attention. They want eyes on their brand. And you have so many different ways to do that, especially in the social media age. And to your point, you know, just Nate going live or something, firing up some CBD at a fucking party, you know, uh, with, with Garner a bunch of on the beach, fire up a joint, you know. I think so many of those things would help him make a lot more money. And now all he has to do is, keep putting his name out there once a year in a fight or something like that. And he can make some really big money. Not to mention he may just find a really good partnership where he's able to get some ownership in one of these companies, which I don't know. He may already have ownership in one of these companies or whatever, but he's not able to do as much if he does, if he can't sponsor that when he's in his biggest form, which is fighting. You mm-hmm. lose a lot of what you can bring in from that. I definitely think he needs a fresh memory of a big Nate Diaz fight to get this money train rolling again. Not that I don't think he's hurting for money. I'm sure he's made plenty of money. I don't. He doesn't seem like a guy that mm-hmm. spends much money on shit. I mean, I know him and his brother. Their their big expenses expenses are like they buy like expensive bikes for you know uh-huh. like. $12,000 triathlon bikes and crap like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? So, but for the potential that's out there, I think he needs, I want to say a big win, a big win will do it, but if not a win, a great fight. So either way, yes. mm-hmm. what we love about Nate is the go into war, the going out on your shield mentality. And I think we need another one of those to get the thing rolling, especially going into this free agent game. But like you said, after that, I think a once a once a year, and then you do your shit on the side. Um, I think, I think that'd be good for his career. I think so he's still think, got he's got a good four or five money making years ahead of him in this fight game. So I think we solved several problems here, and somebody needs to cut us a check. So this is the plan: we make the Nate Diaz Connor fight for the last fight on Nate's contract. But we make it a boxing match in the UFC with MMA gloves. From there, Nate leaves, signs with bare-knuckle fighting, but they allow him to have sponsors and everything else. 
From that point, he gets the big sponsors with the CBD companies and possibly even ownership in one of them. Riding off of the spectacular performance that he puts on in the counter fight, win or lose, now raises his stock. And then we give him the Leonard Garcia fight as his first fight over in bare knuckle. And now all of a sudden he's a larger than life and he makes a shit ton of money fighting once a year. I think we solved it. I think so. And bare knuckle is now moved into the legit echelon of fight promoters. It's got to be taken seriously. You know, you see clips from the highlight on uh, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Now MMA, MMA fighters are now calling bare knuckle boxing cockfighting. Human cockfighter. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's, that's how it always is. Once you are a part of this establishment, you have to judge whoever the newcomer is. The, the newcomer the into it. Like, oh, yeah, it's human cockfighting. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's terrible. Look at that. It's no skill involved at all. <laughs> well, no, I like, um, I honestly really like what we laid out. Um, if this comes to fruition, um, we are going to have to, I'm going to take this episode and throw a bunch of money behind it and I'm going to promote it everywhere possible. And then we're going to be slated as geniuses. And then the next thing, you know, Chell is going to want us on his show. Rogan's going to be calling us every, cause nobody else called this, but us. So I just want you to prepare yourself for that. Well, I'm ready. It's going to happen. <laughs> Well, that was pretty much all I had, all the questions I had. Did you have any uh, any last words or comments or anything like that? No, I, I think we covered most of it. I think at the end of the day, when you're talking about Connor or you're talking about Nate, like these guys have somehow really intertwined, intertwined their careers together to where mm-hmm. at this point right now, all these other things we talked about, you know, Usman, Leonard Garcia, CBD, you know, all this stuff. I think ultimately it comes down to one fight next, and it's got to be Connor versus Nate. The The question is what weight class, you know, like all this kind of stuff. But I think mm-hmm. that's the fight to make. We got to see it. I agree. He has spoken. Everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. We welcome you back to listen again. Have a great one. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening. Say it.